Welcome to today's edition of Pulp Nonfiction, the paper and packaging podcast. Hello, everyone. This is the first one of our series, and we have boom, 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 drum roll, the lovely Bonnie Wright. And uh, just in case that you don't know, have been under a rock for a few years or something, Bonnie has been uh, part of the main cast in the Harry Potter movies. And I remember one of the times that we spoke when we were working together. Uh, and I, you know, I kind of like lure the, the whole Harry Potter subject into the conversation. And she told me that those movies were great for escapism. And that was such a resonating word for me at the time. I mean, who didn't need escape in the last few months? But I was actually particularly going through, you know, a rough time over a rough time. And thanks to you, Bonnie, I did get to escape. I did get to watch them. Thank you for that tip. Besides being very well known uh, for the Harry Potter movies, in fact, she got to marry Harry <laughs> as Ginny Weasley. She has also been a very hands-on activist as part of the Rainforest Alliance, as well as part of LUMOS, which is uh, J.K. Rowling's um, founded organization, the actual writer of the book Harry Potter, in the, the books of Harry Potter did also found Lumos and Bonnie Wright is, a, is an ambassador for, for that organization. Check it out as well, it's certainly worth to do so. So I like to start with something um, that actually you and I spoke about when we were working on, on this project together. What is this sustainability to you? What is what what comes to your mind when you hear sustainability? Yeah, sure. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here talking with you both. Uh, sustainability, yeah, I think I'm of a similar sort of mindset as you. I think uh, the word sustainability actually often makes me feel a little nervous because I think it's been used and used. Um, and we've kind of stripped it of its true meaning, I think. Um, and I think many businesses have kind of used it as a way to sort of distract sometimes the, the, the consumer or maybe, you know, politicians can, uh, distracting citizens. Um, and when I think about sustainability, I think it is about development um, that development for the future that basically doesn't compromise the current generations or future generations. I think it's really looking at how do you create things that actually you're projecting into a future so that future generations can still sustain life. I think we think about sustainability, but like sustaining just our ability to exist um, and not just resources, but also enjoyment. How do we keep sustaining life so it's enjoyable? not really challenging for future generations. And I think when I see someone use the word sustainability, I really try to seek transparency behind what they really mean with that. Like what, what part of their, if they create products, what part of their product line, hopefully everything is quote unquote sustainable. I really want a brand or an individual or a service or um, a government to really look at that and really hold themselves accountable for all elements to um, their system, their organization. So it isn't just kind of what we see at face value looking sustainable. I want to like really know the ins and outs and make sure it's easy for me to find. I think often if, if things aren't easy to find through looking at that, that sort of organization or, or places website, then, then to me, it feels like they're hiding something. So I really see transparency behind that word. Yeah, Bonnie, that was well said. Um, 
I and thank you again for joining us. Um, I know you've been super successful uh, as an actress, and as Marta mentioned, you've been involved quite a bit in different environmental movements. Um, when and how did you actually become interested in sustainability? Could you tell us a little bit about that journey? Yeah, sure. I think for me, it's hard to pinpoint a moment when sort of the lights went on in terms of really understanding sort of how we relate to our environment and how our actions have cause and effect. I think the more and more I've got into sort of sort of my relationship to the planet, the more I realize a lot of this stems back from actually when I was quite young. I think for me, I was always someone who really loved to take part in anything. I was really someone who saw the importance of showing up. Like I think at a young age, that was like every single extra like school thing that you could be a part of. Or, you know, if there were nonprofit charity initiatives happening at school, I was always the first to be really interested in taking part in that and just showing up physically um, to those things. And then I think also I grew up in a family that really, you know, lived on a very like waste not want not mentality. And they very much believed in sort of mending things and taking care of things and really just being mindful towards the things you interact with and really seeing that like quality over quantity mindset. So I think that kind of gave me some foundation for sure. But then I think it wasn't really till I traveled on a ship with Greenpeace back in, I think it was 2017, um, that was that was part of a, a trip they were doing down the Atlantic coast, sort of going to coastal communities and, and raising awareness around the campaigns they were doing and really trying to just connect with those coastal communities. So I had the privilege to go on board that ship and we did a lot of trawling for microplastics and and I just got to spend a lot of time with the ocean um, campaigners on the ship. And I was just so inspired by their dedication to the topic. And I was so sort of heartbroken in the few trawlings that I was a part of. Not one didn't bring up some type of plastic when you're in the middle of a beautiful ocean that looks pristinely perfect. And just firsthand, like pulling that net up and seeing those bits of tiny pieces of plastic and sorting through them and putting the data into the systems. I just came home just like all day, every day, I need to focus on this. It became suddenly something, I think really the campaign has inspired me and just being out with them on the ship. And I really started to see what can I do, not only in these kind of global actions, like whether that's petitions, you know, taken to corporations, to governments, uh, you know, focusing on policy, but also like, what could I do in my day-to-day -day life so that I genuinely felt like at least I was trying my best. I don't think there's any, I really don't think there's any perfect environmentalist. I think it's quite the opposite. Like, I think it's more interesting. I've realized over time that like, you can only do what you can do that day. So I've really enjoyed, yeah, just seeing where my curiosity takes me to try new things, to be a bit more mindful with how I kind of relate to what I consume and just also how I connect with, yeah, the planet that we're on. And, and I'm so grateful to, to, to experience. That sounds like such an awesome trip. I, I, you know, I would love to do that one day. And I totally agree with you with the, the how you grow up really defines the way that you approach waste management, right? Um, 
very much like you grew up in a rural area where you had you had to be green. You know, there was no other choice. How about the film industry? What are some of those green practices that you're seeing that are happening day to day? Uh, or that you see that they could even be better. There is a lot of where where you find a lot of room for improvement. Yeah, I really love that question because I think it's something that I definitely battle with. I think as an industry it is incredibly wasteful. You know, huge sets and and worlds are built for these incredible films that, as you mentioned, we can you know escape to and enjoy. But also, a huge amount of waste can come from that. On the flip side, there's also you know a lot of things that are rented on film sets, which I think is a really great model in terms of like not really many people you know own their lighting and camera equipment that's mainly hired or a lot of props. You know there are incredible prop houses where where a lot of companies also go to rent a lot of the things. So there's this idea that you know something that maybe you hold in one film could be used by another actor in a couple of films in the future, which I think is a really lovely idea that like it can continue to tell stories. Is the same object. We don't need new things all the time, but then also a lot of things are built and made. And obviously, in big, big film sets, you're feeding, kind of, and keeping all these people happy. Hundreds of people on a film set, which obviously means a lot of you know food and snacks and all these things that we know often come in kind of very hard to recycle uh, or reuse packaging. So there's the kind of two sides of it. There's like the physical production of what gets made. Um, there's obviously so many costumes too that are worn. You know, obviously those things can be really hard to recycle, and and obviously the the clothing and garment industry is a huge polluter. So so there are huge loads of questions that really I struggle with for sure being part of that industry. I think in my own world when I make my own short films that now I kind of exist a lot more behind the camera. I really do try and see how I can reduce our waste on set. And I think another important thing is not just the physicality of making the film, but if you have a story, is there anything you're saying in that story that is related to this issue? I think for me now, more and more, pretty much all the films that I'm making are really related to the climate, even if it's a little obscure. Like at the moment, I'm really working on kind of looking into like how the horror genre and sort of monster movies essentially and like playing with that mysticism and horror and how you can kind of I don't know kind of pull the viewer into a story that maybe they don't really realize is actually still something saying something about waste um but yeah but just how could you maybe weave into some nice sort of character details where it felt like those characters were being a bit more conscious because I think a lot of characters in films obviously are such role models for people so I think there's a lot of power that film and media has. Um, and I really hope that people take on the responsibility to step up to that, not just in the characters, but then also in just their production. Um, and how can you maybe reuse set pieces or are there like maybe community theater groups that those sets could be donated to that could have a lot a longer life out of them. Mm. And also the clothing, right? Actually, there is something there that really uh, attracted my attention when you talk about characters and how we can shape those characters to show you know that 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 more conservative side when it comes up to waste and reusability and all of that because it is something that has been annoying me for the longest time while I watch 
reality shows like they are so wasteful in reality shows like seriously you see like a young people being like oh okay let's just throw the bottle here let's just use a plastic cup that would be a perfect way of actually introducing a lot of influence right on 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 how we can all do a little better in the right direction like i i always repeat these um everybody wants to change the world but nobody wants to pick up the tab and that's where a lot of these issues come right we all want to do the right thing but nobody wants to pay extra for it um and speaking of right things what are the things that make you that you do that make you feel good about yourself sleep well at night proud you want to tell people um tell us so we can we can tell our audience yeah, sure. too. I want our audience to follow some of your examples because I know that they're so good. Yeah, I think there's, you know, there's individual actions that I do kind of quietly in my own home, which is sort of what's inspired me to write a book recently, which I'd love to talk more about. But also I think a huge thing um, that that makes me sort of less anxious and more feeling like I'm participating in change is really finding community you know finding people to talk to so that you're not alone in this struggle like it's really i think so many systems that have been designed in the last decade to a century that have created all these problems are inherently like breaking down community and society i think in a way like i you know we're so strong when we have a friend that we're doing it with like we feel just so much more kind of accountable in in the world whether that's just like a friend a partner you know a sibling a parent um, a teacher like anyone that you can sort of go to to feel like you have someone else that you're trying to do this with i think instantly the whole thing becomes a lot more enjoyable um, so maybe just looking up an existing community in your area to, to join into in terms of with an environmental cause or a local chapter to a large, larger organization. And then in my day to day, I feel like the beauty with um, all the things that we can be doing for the environment is there are hundreds and hundreds of things out there. So even if you try something, you don't quite enjoy it or you find it challenging, there's another thing to participate in. So for me personally, as I said, I'm really interested in um, kind of our our waste and how do we make our waste not waste? How do we actually like have a really deep relationship with waste in a positive way and see it as resources rather than waste? How do we look to what we have and not just see it as a cup, but you're seeing that as paper and you're seeing that as pulp and you're seeing that as wood. It's not just a cup that's now lost its value because you drank a coffee out of it. Like you're seeing it as a resource that's been taken and I've got responsibility over that. Like something was, you know, taken from the earth and now I have that. So so I'm really interested in, in that. Like how do I change my perception of waste and make it energy and a resource? Um, and to me, the biggest thing that I love to do, not only just focus on my packaging, but I'm really interested in just witnessing kind of stuff decomposing, like compost um, and seeing how that can help your plants, whether that's starting your own compost system, whether that's dropping off compost at maybe a local community drop off that you can find. I think it's an amazing way to just show you that like waste doesn't need to be waste, like it can become literal energy again to grow more plants. Yeah, listen, people, waste has value. I love that. Mm -hmm. I don't think that people truly realize how valuable waste is, right? Yeah, and I think in the future, that's where we're going to find our resources. Like, I genuinely think, 
you know, obviously there are many countries that people are already forced to 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 live by, you know, open part, open dumps and, and, and sort of look and pick for valuable resources in those dumps of, of trash and things. And I think we're all going to be doing that because we would have taken all the resources and a lot of what our where our resources are will be in landfills if we don't really start thinking about it correctly. And, and that's exactly what we're trying to do at Sustana Fiber, Bonnie. Um, we're essentially a recycling mill. And, and what we do is we take things like paper cups, corrugated containers, juice boxes, and then we transform that trash into reusable uh, FSC and FDA compliant fiber that's turned back into paper cups and carry out containers and even microwavable sleeves. Um, so we're we're really trying to capture waste when we can and and repurpose and reuse it. Um, just is there anything you struggle with personally or professionally in terms of something sustainable that you you wish you did better? Um, whether it's composting or recycling or separating your your trash, anything like that? Yeah, sure. I mean, always there's so many things that you know I've yet to even kind of dabble with or participate in or kind of try to implement in my day-to-day -day life. I think for me, you know, more I realize like, why am I always so interested in sort of consumer products when it relates to food is probably because I love cooking and I love eating and I love enjoying those things. So, you know, a big focus of me has been those things. And then after kind of looking at my kitchen, I kind of really looked at my bathroom and beauty products and it was kind of cleaning products. And naturally, obviously, where I've progressed through my home and my day to day life is like through my interests. And, you know, a big thing that I really want to work towards is in my home, you know, if I ever need to buy something, how do I first look at sort of the secondhand market of those things, whether that's small appliances, whether that's technology, whether that's even clothing um, and different sort of, yeah, things in my home, furniture. Um, how do I really deprogram that kind of initial response to just instantly go to looking at something new because it's been marketed it to me to like, it's directly marketed at me. It's like, it's perfectly designed. It's like, you know, it's, it's my taste and it's hitting all those buttons, but actually I could like direct my gaze to something that might take me a bit longer to find secondhand. Um, and it could have much more kind of worth and story to me. So I think that's a big thing that I'm really trying to look at. I've also recently been trying to, I got a sewing machine for my 30th birthday from my parents and oh, nice. been really trying to get better at that and just um, make some things myself or really get better at mending things as well when it comes to clothing or, or like, you know, altering things to sort of like breathe a new life into an item of clothing. Oh, that's great. Fantastic. I always say that shopping in my closet is a lot more fun than I thought. <laughs> mm -hmm, definitely. And I even think, you know, when we're considering purchases, just like nothing better than sleeping on a decision, just one night, 24 hours. Like sure. I feel like my mindset can often really quickly change. Like actually now I've had like 24 hours away from that. You know, I don't maybe need that. Or I have something like you say already, or, you know, I don't know. I just think things have become, I mean, obviously things are, it's a very expensive time to be living in, but at the same time, when you really sometimes look at products that have, you know, like whether that's a camera that I'm looking into, like all the different, like, tech pieces that has in it and it's kind of providing this amazing image it's 
kind of pretty cheap. So many things can be made so cheaply, even though obviously the access and funds that people have to those can, can vary massively. But I think things become easier to, to break because they're sort of like used, like the, the quality of material is used. I don't know. It's, it's, I, I think, I don't know, like the right to repair act is something that I'm really interested in too. Like how, how can we give back the right for people to be able to fix products where companies have found loopholes that like Apple and different things like uh, you can't right. fix things you have. And I think that really destroys a mindset of like the capabilities and possibilities of, of things. I think if, if you're kind of forced into like buying something new all the time, paper or plastic, paper or plastic or paper and plastic, paper or plastic. Uh, uh, you can choose both, but you know, just just lead us through. No, your I mean, thoughts. you know, I hate plastic, so I do. <laughs> it's paper. Um, I think, yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, obviously, you know, Master and I have spoken a lot um, about materials in the last couple of months through the process of writing my book. She's very kindly, sort of answered complex and maybe obvious questions that I've been asking her, and I think just our understanding of materials is really just based these days on how those materials have been marketed to us, not actually us knowing like any properties of those materials, whether that's like the structure of them and how they are recycled or like, where did that come from? Is it a virgin plastic or paper? Is it hundred percent recycled? Is it 50% recycled? All these things like are very difficult, I think for us to find out about like so many people or friends of mine, cause they know I'm, really interested in the subject will often ask me questions and they want like yes or no or right or wrong and I'm like oh, I like I can tell you what I kind of understand but like I think it's really difficult to navigate um and I would I wish and hope that obviously initiatives like this podcast like this can help people to be like oh, okay I understand a little bit more now about paper and how that can be recycled and transformed and remade and reused just by seeing some like visual stories or even verbal stories as we're talking about. Like, how do we how do we basically tell a really good story so people understand about materials? In terms of paper-based packaging versus plastic-based packaging, um, I know Europe is, is certainly well ahead of us um, in that regard. And where do you see this shaking out maybe in the next five or 10 years, both in Europe as well as the US in terms of paper versus plastic? Yeah, I I don't know if I would agree that Europe is ahead. I would say that, I would say that, you know, there are some things that, you know, my experience obviously of, of the UK and America as two places that I've lived, you know, they're, they're ahead in some things and super behind in other things. You know, I, I think, um, I think, uh, I think I think uh, like what's in something. I would say it was really coming to America that made me actually truly read ingredients lists on food and things. Like there's many more things here in terms of like processed kind of you know corn syrup, all these different things that you have to be a little bit more aware of. Obviously, because they they have a huge environmental impact, not only our health. So I think I definitely became a little bit more kind of aware of sort of seeking, I guess, again, this transparency word behind brands. 
um, than maybe I was in Europe. But then, you know, I went back to the UK recently and I go to a grocery store and I saw more plastic there than I do in the grocery stores in the US. So I honestly don't know. Like, I, I don't really know if I've learned anything more from either side of the pond, to be honest. I think a big fear of mine, honestly, with the future of packaging is kind of mixed materials, plastics, or multi-layered, sort of, but yeah, multi-layered mm -hmm. or, or just like you get one thing and there's must be like five or six different, you know, it's like a box, a sleeve, you open it, there's another thing. There's a, you know, just all these different parts that could be difficult to break apart. Um, or also, you know, these products that are quote unquote compostable, biodegradable, but in a facility that probably won't take them and you're never really going to take it too. There isn't many things that I could throw in my compost and actually see it and witness it biodegrading as it kind of leads me to believe. So I think when it comes to like the future of material, I genuinely get quite anxious that the design of new materials is maybe a little bit too far ahead than our waste management and recovery systems. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think when it, like maybe just more and more systems will come in place that are kind of these privatized sort of systems that are having these amazing models, you know, as you are doing, whether more of those have to come about in order to kind of help the issue. I just get, I, yeah, I just get worried about kind of too many mixed materials and kind of development without really maybe testing the afterlife. Also, I think we just don't know, like, there hasn't been enough time for us to even witness a lot of these materials sure. doing what they say they're going to do. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a really, I think it's a really exciting time for materials too, because I think if you're aware of that, you can really like bring that knowledge to the industry of packaging and different things. I think for me, I'm just like a curious sort of nerdy person that likes materials but I don't know anything chemically or scientifically about them but I'm like concerned about them so it's like brought me towards materials that I probably wouldn't ever have been interested in but I have an environmental angle to it so I hope maybe that more people are led to those roles in the same way that there has been an increase seen in people signing up for environmental sciences or sciences in the past kind of decade in terms of like undergraduate programs and stuff. No, sure, sure. Well, I, I really admire your passion. Um, I, I can tell you're really concerned, um, as we all are, on this podcast about the environment and, and what we could do. But I know, Marta, you and I have talked about the the, the sort of patchwork uh, system across the United States of, of recycling, where you can recycle one one product in one state, but not in the other. Um, there's deposits uh, in some states, but but not in other states. And it, it gets confusing for the consumer. And I, I think that's kind of what you're alluding to, too, Bonnie. Mm -hmm. And I think, too, that is a problem or challenge when it comes to the U.S., state and federal, all these things. I would say in times that I've campaigned about issues in the U.K., change happens a little bit more easily sometimes not always sometimes just because the layers of kind of governance is mm -hmm. less complicated you know you're not working at kind of state and federal it's all just one it's you're working just with the country so i'm sure that proves to be really challenging when you're sure. developing products because one state could accept that and another state can't 
and, and you and I talked about this many times too, it's, it's so hard for me to explain to people how recycling works and what makes something recyclable. I think giving people guidance, you can't say like, okay, this number plastic is good, this one's bad, this type of paper is mixed with, you know, plastic liner, so you can't, like, it's like an overload of information that I can't tell anyone because, you know, you really do have to sort of Google, like, what does my, you know, just, what does my city accept in its curbside recycling program? And like, just putting that into Google, finding it out, you know, and noticing, did your city make it quite difficult for you to find out that information? Well, that's a problem in the system. And that makes you realize like where policy or where the relationship with your city council needs to be better. So I think like often when things are difficult to find or difficult to change, it always is like, this is a system problem. It's not your fault and you're not bad for not doing that or finding it difficult to do. That's like something beyond your, you know, power. Yeah. Yeah. But sure. I would recommend to everybody out there listening, don't be afraid of asking, don't be afraid to book um, public officials are there to serve the community and therefore you can call the department of sanitation in your city and get all these things straightened out it's not you know it, it will take you a little bit of time but it certainly is worthy we should all do things like this right tell us about this uh, your new book if you could um i know oh, you and, and marta and have been else. working at it yeah and everything else that's coming yeah, so along for you yeah, so my book that I unfortunately can't say the title of yet um, okay. is coming out in April next year. And the book is kind of about all the things we've been talking about, just sort of what do I do? Where do I start? How do I kind of implement change in a way that's like tangible and accessible and possible for me in my day to day? So I've kind of based it obviously on all these things that I've been curious and interested in and trying out. Um, so it really focuses on the home. It's basically a book about how do you kind of make your first environment, which is your body, your home, um, really reflect the values you care about uh, in terms of the, the wider, larger global environment. So it's quite sort of practical book about, you know, how to navigate choices when you're at the grocery store or, you know, online shopping, how to sort of cook in a way that um, you're really getting the most out of the vegetables or, or different things that you've bought, um, whether that's kind of preparing and storing food. And then also, how do you store food to get the most out of it? How do you mend clothes? How do you sort of kind of make your own cleaning products? There's different, very specific, tangible things. And then on the more kind of broader topics in the book, it also looks at like, how do you sort of identify your role within social change. I think so many people might just see the only way to get involved in the climate movement is to be, you know, an activist at the front of a, of a rally or speaking on a stage, but there's so many other roles that are really important in our movement, whether that's just organizers, whether that's people who want to drive people to the rally, whether that's people who want to kind of care and hold space for people when it comes to kind of um, our well-being. So it looks at yeah, sort of your home. And then at the end, it goes into this chapter of kind of what next? How can I kind of apply this to my community? How do I even find a community? What does that look like? Um, so yeah, it's been something that I never thought I would do. I think I'm kind of the one thing I am grateful for in this past year and a half is just the time and energy and focus I've been able to put to this book. Um, it's quite a solitary, solitary experience writing a book, which is the kind of time we've been in. 
So it's uh, been the one good thing that's come out of it. And I would recommend everybody to grab a copy. Like she said, it is practical. It is not like so many, so many, so many other materials out there that talk about um, sustainability. You know, you know that I don't like that word, but circular economy and loop cycles and things like that. It's it sounds more aspirational, right? Those things that well, I I don't need to do this because I don't even know what is my impact on that. But this is very practical, and it goes to all those things that we all can do to do the the, the contribution to get us in the right direction. So I can't wait to see it. The whole thing. Are you putting it out? On, are you going to put it on print <laughs> or are you going to? Online, both? Uh, yeah, it comes out in, I, yeah, you could get, I guess, an online version of it. There'll be an audio book as well, but it comes out, yeah, in April next year. Um, and yeah, like you're saying, I think a big thing when you mentioned aspirational, I think for me, what was really important is like, unless things are fun and enjoyable, we're probably not going to do them. So my real thing with the book was how do you look at these things as like, enjoyment and joy and just kind of there's a lot of playfulness to these things because a lot of the things that you can participate in your home are quite practical and hands-on i think so much can be conceptual these days we're just constantly in this age of information and being on social media but what are we doing offline what are we doing with our you know day-to-day lives that actually feels like we can hold something that feels somewhat real and so the book was really about that like how can you genuinely kind of get your hands dirty and do something. And also look at this approach, like I was maybe saying a bit earlier, like there is no perfect way, there is no right or wrong way, good or bad way to show up for the environment. It is really just about needing to show up full stop in whatever whatever stage you are in your journey, just like the whole movement and the every future, you know, reality on this planet needs everyone to show up. And I was just really interested in that, just celebrating that imperfectness that I think has been often is what makes people maybe a bit nervous about trying because they're worried they'll do it wrong but there really isn't a wrong way to to sort of participate in change we have covered quite a lot i'm really really excited thank you again so much for your you know for sharing all of this your passion uh your compassion for the environment too and and also for those people that, well, you know, we, we are all learning. There's no right or wrong. I think that that shows a very compassionate side. Body, thank you again. We're really grateful for you joining us today. It's, it's been fun chatting with you and um, we really appreciate your time. Oh, yeah. Thank you for asking these questions. And as I said, I'm always really excited in the solutions that exist when it comes to closing the loops of so many things. And I just another thing to encourage, as I was saying a bit, but for, for people um, to participate in these exciting things, participate in systems such as kind of specific types of recycling that obviously you are doing. I think it's really important for people to know that, that like they're part of that system because they're kind of giving you that material to be made into new material. I think often it can feel quite disconnected. Um, like, like we have nothing to do with this system of recycling, but we really do. So yeah, I would encourage people to just uh, learn more about it and participate it participate in it by by yeah recycling reusing reducing thanks again thank you thanks thanks again for joining us for this month's edition of pulp Nonfiction, the paper and packaging podcast we look forward to seeing you next month but in the meantime if you would like more information please be sure to visit sustanafiber.com <laughs>
and don't forget to subscribe and please give us a good rating and a good review we want to keep bringing this to you and that is the best way that you can help us